What's up, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of The Arnie's. I'm your host today, Matt Johnson, a.k.a. the guy who thinks Christoph Waltz really shit the bed inspector. And I'm Keith Baker, a.k.a. the guy who thinks Sam Smith's Spectre opening song sucks ass. And I'm Austin Terry. I guess I'm the positive guy this week because I think No Time to Die will be the best Bond movie ever made. I wish I was positive. I just... uh... I don't know. That Spectre review really took it out of me, but we'll talk about that in a sec. Uh, we hope you've all been having a great week as well as a week full of great content consumption. I can't speak to you, Austin. I know you guys got a lot of snow up there. Keith and I uh, both live in Houston, so anybody out there listening in Texas, it's been a weird week. We literally were recording this, If you're even if you're listening in the future, we're recording this literally the day after of the snowpocalypse, if you will. We've been at, without power, without water. Uh, it's been a weird week. So just before we get into the, you know, the fun stuff, Keith, how are you holding up? I'm holding up fine. I was telling Austin before this, it sucks that we couldn't really enjoy the snow because the power was out. We couldn't get our work done. And now I got to work on the weekend. Not fun, but it'll be all right. Yeah. It's been a shitty week. So yeah, I don't know what else to say. It's been weird. Austin, what about you? I know you guys got a lot of snow. You live in a state, luckily, where that doesn't destroy uh, everything. So what about you? How is that? Have you been doing? Yeah, I'm doing fine. We actually got to enjoy the snow where I live, yeah. so that was a nice little treat. But I was, it was kind of a mixed bag because I got the same storm that you guys got. Right. So I was worried about you know you guys and, and my family down in Texas. But I'm glad that everybody in my inner circle, at least, kind of made it through okay. Definitely. Uh, anybody out there listening, if you've been through this, we obviously want to pass along our well wishes, good vibes, and hope you're doing all right. Um, yeah, so let's move on. Let's get into the show. So... I watched a bunch of rom-coms this week to prepare for our upcoming Bracket episode. I won't say which ones to preserve the surprise, but some definitely held up and some are definitely a bit cringy, I thought, by today's standards. (laughs) So what about you guys? Did you watch any good TV or movies this week? I haven't really been watching anything new, just like you. I've been prepping for our rom-com bracket that'll be coming soon, uh, and I, I kind of agree with you. I have There was one in particular, I won't say which it was, mm. but there was one in particular that blew me away, and I can't wait to talk about it with you guys. I've never seen it before, and I'm excited. In a good way or wow. bad way? In a, in a really good way. I, it's my number one pick to win it all. Oh, wow. I'm excited. I feel I'm excited like to see what it knowing is. what Austin likes, I think I'm, I'm not going to say it, obviously, but, but whenever we get to the show at the top, we'll, we'll, we'll guess. But I think I might know what he's talking about. Anyway, Keith, what about you? Watch anything good? I know it's been a weird week without power and stuff, but any anything in there? We got power back yesterday, so yeah, I kind of caught up on our rom-coms to prepare for the bracket. Um, and I'm kind of with Austin. There was one in there that I really enjoyed that I had not seen before, so it was my first time watching it. Um, and I won't say which one it is, just like him, and uh, I'll leave it at that. But yeah, besides those, i uh just been continuing watching Vikings. I'm on season four now. Whoa. You, whoa, you went from yeah. like season one to four real quick. Wow. Yeah, I binged a lot the past two days nice. of Vikings, so, um, and I actually binged this you time. You did? That's so. a binge. That's a binge, man. <laughs> it's a good show. You're. A, I think you're actually going to pass me, Keith, because we, uh, I think at the end of season four is when Travis Flemmel leaves the show, so we decided to kind of take a, a mid-show break from that one, but we're going to come back to it. Oh, wow. I could very well pass you. Damn. There you go. So along with all that good stuff, WandaVision, as usual, of course, on Disney+, Plus, is a regular part of our weekly TV watching. This is our third bonus series. We started by covering The Boys and The Mandalorian Season 2. So if you're fans of those shows and you like the way we do this one, be sure to head back in your podcast feed to check those out as well. 
Uh, you can also subscribe to The Arnie's on YouTube. Listen to all our episodes that way if you prefer that. If this is your first episode of The Arnie's, welcome. We are super happy to have you. Our main episodes come out every Tuesday. Last week, we wrapped up, for now, our retrospective and review series for Daniel Craig's James Bond movies with Spectre, hence our little Bond opening. Austin, how did you feel about going back and doing this series in general, and what can our audience expect from our Spectre episode? Yeah, it was a fun return to Bond. Uh, it was fun to kind of watch them all in one sitting. I finally feel like I am fully prepared for No Time to Die. It's crazy that it's kind of now been a 10-year arc for Daniel Craig uh, portraying the character. Uh, Spectre in particular was a bit of a, a mixed bag, if you will. Uh, I think in that episode, we definitely covered how that movie takes a sharp turn in the third act. And uh, really, it was kind of on some high footing and then just took a dive straight into the dumpster and ended up uh, finishing out pretty terrible. So be sure to check that out if you want to hear us talk about that crazy third act. Absolutely. As for this coming Tuesday, we are finally returning, like we mentioned, to our bracket style of episode. It's been a little bit. Last one we did was at the end of December for our holiday movies. But we are definitively going to declare this time what is the best romantic comedy of all time. So, Keith, without giving anything away, what are you looking for in a good rom-com? What speaks to you? And do you think this will be an easy bracket to declare a winner for? Or will this be kind of a more intense battle, do you think? I don't know. There, I think there are going to be some tough matchups looking at this bracket. I think some of them aren't as funny as I, as I remember them being, and some of them aren't as romantic as I remember them being. Yeah. And some are maybe more. So we'll see. Yeah, I like the way you said that. I think that's... There, there are some standout movies that I think could go all the way pretty easily. But what you just said there is what I think is going to be really interesting because... On, on the rewatch, there are some, it's a Venn diagram. You got your romance on the left and you got your comedy on the right. And you got to have that middle. You got to have that overlap. And some of them, I think, lean a bit too much one way or the other. So it's going to be a good conversation either way. So definitely keep an eye out for when that episode drops this Tuesday. We have some great content out now and some more exciting stuff on the way. And of course, it is time to return once again to Westview for the seventh and Modern Family-inspired episode of WandaVision. We only have two episodes left. It's flown by for me. I loved the first five episodes of the series, and I thought we lost a little bit of momentum last week, but overall, the show is awesome. We're still getting sitcom plots that are fun and pay great homage to other classics, while also really pulling back the curtain more and more as to how Westview came to be and what Wanda's role in that is. I know you both have echoed similar sentiments over the last few weeks. Austin and Keith, why don't you give everyone a quick little reminder of your thoughts on the season so far, and be sure to give us your non-spoiler thoughts on episode seven. Yeah, I think... Uh... I was definitely lowest on the premiere of this series. I, I didn't really like the setting, and I was curious what Marvel was trying to do with this show. However, as we got further into it, I really came around and, and have been really loving it so far. Last week, I think I was the biggest one saying we've lost momentum, and, and last week's episode really didn't surprise me. I kind of still feel the same way this week. It almost feels like this episode, like they don't know what they want to do with this show anymore. Like I, It feels like they, they kind of pigeonholed themselves into the sitcom plot, and so they still have to do that, but then there's so much of, of the mystery that they want to reveal... So we just don't have really like a good mix or a good flow anymore. There's two big reveals in this episode. I won't spoil it, but they didn't really uh, surprise me in the way that I would have liked to have been surprised. So I, I just found this episode kind of overall to be really uh, predictable. And I do think we have lost some momentum in the recent weeks. I, I don't know if I'm with you yet on as far as losing momentum. I'm not saying you're wrong or right. I think at this point I'm still... still uh... An observer, I guess, is the best way to put it. Well, that's good because you are literally watching the show, so you <laughs> yeah. are observing it. Yeah, I'm an observer, but yeah, but meaning I don't really have an opinion. In it is that that's what I mean as far as I don't know if it's losing momentum or not. But um, the last few episodes were 
pretty fun. Uh, they still did a good job of mimicking the sitcoms of whatever decade they were in. It was also good to get more uh, scoop on Sword and the politics going on uh, with them. And I'm also glad that Vision has finally had enough of this whole thing and is seeking answers. Yeah, I agree with most of what you guys are saying. I think I might... I don't really know how to put it. I guess I, I guess I would lean a bit more towards Austin. I don't think on all of the points, but in general, when it, just when it comes to this episode, um, I'm not. Maybe our conversation will help, but I just am not fully, even really knowing why it didn't hit for me as hard this week. Um, yeah, I think we have lost a little bit of momentum, but that's not a bad thing. I think we got two episodes that were just so. Here's all the answers. And then the episode that came right after, which was last week, was a little bit slower. It felt like it leaned a lot more into the sitcom. I still liked it. And this one, maybe the problem is it just felt like more of the same. I was bored watching this one, though. And the, I haven't been bored with this show yet. This was the first week where I was actually bored for the middle of this episode. Interesting. Yeah, Um. The I, I wouldn't say I was bored. I definitely still enjoy the show and I enjoyed... I mean, I love the show overall. It's just this episode and the last one were... A bit lower down there for me. And in, in general, the biggest point I will agree with, and we're going to obviously get into it, but I found this pretty predictable as well, like Austin said. So that was kind of disappointing. Again, we still have two full episodes left, and I have heard that one of them is going to be a full hour. So we have a lot to go. You know, they still could give us more things, and they might give us cool context. So we'll see what happens. But anyway, before we kind of uh, just stumble over ourselves and start giving spoilers, get everybody out there, if you have not watched season one, episode seven of WandaVision, please Go watch it, and then come on back. This is your official spoiler warning. Okay, are you gone? Okay, great. All right, Austin, let's get into it again. This is episode seven, Breaking the Fourth Wall is the title. Why don't you run down our cast and crew? Well, WandaVision, of course, is created by Jack Schaefer, directed by Matt Shackman, and written by Cameron Squires. For our cast, we have Elizabeth Olsen as Wanda Maximoff, Paul Bettany as Vision, Teona Paris as Monica Rambeau, Catherine Hahn as Agnes, a.k.a. Agatha Harkness, uh, Randall Park as Jimmy Woo, Kat Dennings as Darcy Lewis, and Josh Stamber as Director Hayward. And in a mid credit scene, uh, we also do have Evan Peters back as Pietro Maximoff, a.k.a. Quicksilver. All right. Uh, well, I guess before we get into the quick little recap here, did you guys, I know at this point in the show, we're not really getting new characters, which obviously is expected, but just in particular, did anybody from the cast or the crew themselves stand out to you guys this time? Nobody really stood out too much this week, but I did really enjoy the pairing of uh, Vision and Darcy together mm. for the bulk of this episode. Yeah, same with me. That was a fun pairing. And I guess uh, uh, Tiona Paris as Monica Rambo. I did like her in this episode, too. Yeah, I really enjoyed it. I thought everybody was great. I agree. There weren't too many standouts, but Paul Bettany and Kat Dennings paired together. Weird combination, but it was really great. Had a blast. That was my favorite part, for sure. So everybody, I'm going to give you just a quick little recap here of what went down in this episode, just so we're all on the same page. So we have entered the late 2000s setting for the sitcom. Wanda decides to have a day to herself. Agnes agrees to babysit Tommy and Billy and takes them to her house. Vision wakes up, finds Darcy, and releases her from the spell. Darcy tells Vision about his death, the events of his life pre-Hex, and what's been going on on Sword's End. Wanda sees various parts of her house constantly changing and is unable to control them for the first time. Outside of Westview, Monica and Jimmy meet with loyal sword personnel and obtain a vehicle that should be able to cross the barrier, although when that is unsuccessful, Monica decides to enter herself. She passes through the static wall and emerges with heightened vision and some powers, I guess. 
She goes to warn Wanda about Hayward, but Wanda doesn't believe her. Wanda attacks her, but Monica is able to land firmly due to her newly gained powers. Their confrontation is interrupted, of course, by Agnes, who asks Monica to leave and takes Wanda into her home. Agnes tells Wanda that the twins are in the basement playing, but when Wanda goes to look for them, she finds a really strange-looking lair. Agnes then comes down and introduces herself as Agatha Harkness and reveals that she is also a magic user and that she has been the one controlling a lot of what we've been seeing, including sending Pietro in. And then weirdly, I guess they did. I think they wanted to have a big like ending beat for the episode with um, Agatha like laughing. So I think that's why they did a mid credit scene, although it didn't really add much. So basically, we just really quickly see Monica investigating Agatha's house and discovers the lair Right before she goes down, though, Pietro kind of catches her. Doesn't really seem clear whether he's, like, going to capture her or he's going to help. I don't know. Okay, so let's get into the roundtable discussion. This is, of course, our the main part of the show where we each bring a couple points that we want to highlight and talk about for the episode. So let's just start off with the easy thing here. So, like we talked about, this episode is very late 2000s inspired with Modern Family being kind of the main influence. We even got an intro, though, that was very much the Office theme, which I think was on purpose with the music. It was like almost exactly the Office like intro music. So we've liked most of the decades and influence that they've taken so far. But I'm curious, did this one work for you guys? I guess I'm not too familiar with these shows as much as I am as the other decades, to be honest. As far, at least as far as the Modern Family one, I never watched Modern Family, so I'm not sure. Maybe people who are Modern Family fans would be like, oh, yeah, they're spot on with that. I can't say. I've right. never seen Modern Family, so I don't know. I, re I really enjoyed the intro, ex especially because it was The Office themed. That, yeah. that made me smile. I did really enjoy the Talking Head stuff, too. Um, and But like Keith said, I haven't seen Modern Family either, so I just really enjoyed all The Office-inspired stuff in this one. Yeah, definitely. And does Modern Family break the fourth yes. wall because it's just under the office oh they do okay i didn't know that it's not like the office where they eventually reveal that like oh we're filming a documentary i think modern i could be wrong about that i watched modern family for a long time but i, I never finished it but i think it's just them talking to camera so it definitely that's what they are doing it is that reference and yeah like austin i had fun with that that was kind of the big sell for me it's just fun seeing these characters doing office type things we even talked about that really early on in this show we talked about how cool would it be if like we go to Vision's office and he's doing a talking head. We didn't get that, which I thought was kind of a shame. Missed opportunity, though. They should have done it in Vision's office. I think that would have been fun. Did you notice, too, they were doing the Jim Halpert camera stare with the kids? Mm -hmm. That made me smile, too. Vision also had one that was like, he must have studied, like, the Krasinski method. <laughs> like, whenever he's in the car, there's a, there's a moment where he, like, literally just, like, kind of goes, like, hmm, and, like, smirks at the camera. And then it's like, oh, God. And then, like, flies off. So that was fun. Uh, that was kind of the big thing I was excited for was seeing the characters do those kind of uh, talking head segments. Um, I didn't find any of Wanda's talking heads funny, though. I only really enjoyed the ones with Vision and Agatha. I thought those were the best ones. Yeah. Uh, the Wanda ones. Yeah, they, they were they were odd. I thought, I mean, Elizabeth Olsen's great. I think she performed them really well. It's just, yeah, they didn't really stand out. It was mostly just her. I guess maybe from being exhausted from expanding the hex, the whole idea is like, I need a day to myself. Yeah. So it's a lot of just like. Oh, I'm so tired. Just a case of the Mondays, that kind of thing. But yeah, the other ones definitely stood out I guess out I more. just couldn't tell. Like the Vision and the Vision and Agatha ones were definitely supposed to kind of play for laughs. Yeah. And I just couldn't tell what they were trying to do with her. It's a good point, though, Austin, because you talked about in your initial thoughts that like you kind of felt like they were maybe losing a little bit of the natural balance between the sitcom and then the mystery. And that's just natural, I guess, as we get closer to the finale. But that's kind of an example of one that where I would agree is like it felt like they were doing what the Wanda ones 
because the story is so bare bones, right? It's just like, oh, I'm tired, so I need a day to myself. And then like she does the talking heads yeah. and talks about that. That's really it. That's kind of the sitcom plot. The rest of it is just window dressing how it looks. And there wasn't, a, and it's kind of like what we talked about last week. How there wasn't even really a sitcom plot last week. They're just doing the events of the show set in the Westview world, but there's there's not a sitcom plot driving things forward. Last week it was just. We're going to go trick-or-treating. Right. This week, it's I need a day to myself. Like, the sitcom plot is getting smaller and smaller. Mm-hmm. And as somebody who was never too interested in a sitcom, that's fine with me. But it, it feels like we don't have a, an, an equilibrium anymore. It feels like we're still trying to figure out what we want this show to be. And that's something I would have expected from episodes one and two, not episode seven. Yeah, I don't know. that's a good point you make there, Austin. Yeah, because I mean, episodes one and two is, you know, 90, 90% or I guess 100% sitcom. Yeah, for the most part. And then we start moving out of it. But I feel like that was already the direction of the show, though, right? I mean, was to move out of that eventually? I guess so. Yeah, I agree. My problem is, I think it's kind of what Austin's saying is, if, and this is coming from someone that has loved the sitcom stuff so far, but it's like, this was the first episode where I was like, okay, maybe just don't do the sitcom, you know, like leave it. You can have it in the modern family world, but it's like they tried to set up a plot, but then it didn't really feel like it connected. And then most of the episode was just about yeah. other stuff happening. So it was, it was a bit, it just felt weird. It, it, I think it kind of made the pacing feel a little off in a, in a kind of an odd way. Like if it was literally just like they did, they had the show intro be a sitcom intro and that was like the joke of the week. And then the rest was just, boom, here's the plot of WandaVision. We're not doing a sitcom anymore. I think that would be, that would almost feel a little bit more natural, but to still open the show, spend the beginning setting up a sitcom plot and then never come back to it. It just feels like the sitcom is now kind of forced on you and it doesn't feel like a natural part of the show anymore. For me, it just feels like it's part of the background. Exactly. It's just whatever, whatever decade they're in, it's that going to be that theme. Exactly. Um, I do think it leaves us in a cool position though, because I don't think we know what the plan is for episodes eight and nine. I certainly, because I remember the initial trailers and I remembered seeing Wanda with this look doing a talking head. It was like, oh, okay, I guess they are eventually going to get to modern TV shows. So that's cool. But now, I mean, they did late 2000s. I don't think there's any reason to do like to have an episode that's like, you know, the 2010s. I don't think there's any reason to do that. You kind of modern family just ended also. So it's like that kind of show went through like very recently. So I, I am curious, you know, episodes eight and nine. Do they just stay in the modern family world and then just kind of wrap up the plot from there? Or does somehow it just revert to modern, like modern day, like not even modern family. It's just it goes back to normal Westview. Like, what do you guys think? Like, what are we going to see sitcom-y wise from eight and nine? Maybe we don't see any of it. I could see when we get to episode nine, like that being the 2020 decade. And I, I could see that one opening, like how I'm expecting Falcon and Winter Soldier to open, mm. where like it, it feels like an actual Marvel show, if, okay. if that makes sense. Like there's no sitcom at all. It's just going to open up. I bet I have a feeling by then, by episode nine, at least Wanda is going to be actively working against Agatha. Yeah. So it might just open kind of like a Marvel movie. That could be and cool. there is no sitcom in that one. I, I'm thinking that they still maybe they might keep the whole show themed, but maybe not maybe not a sitcom. Maybe it might be more of like a Breaking Bad kind of theme. Or maybe like a CSI kind of themed mm. uh, background instead. Now, especially with things changing with Agatha and and uh, Monica being in there. Yeah, that could be cool. I do have one request, though. Something I would like to see. I feel like it's kind of an easy thing. I feel like we're going to see this. But at some point in episode eight or nine, I want to see either like a fight or I want to see like some level of action where 
it's constantly changing. You know what I mean? It's like they keep going. It's like at like one second they're like either fighting or like something crazy is happening in the twenties, and then it just immediately cuts, and then they're back in like Modern Family. That, that could be really cool. I hope they do something like that. Especially with the way things were changing in this episode, I hundred percent believe we'll get that, and it'll be really cool. Actually, we kind of got in this episode with the Agatha stuff. Now that I'm saying that, it was it was that was more linear though. I kind of wanted to see it just to be crazy and jump around all quick, kind of like the objects changing in this episode, like you mentioned. I could see. I could. I can picture it now. It's going to be like that. Uh, Superman Zod fight and Man of Steel when they're in the air and he's punching. I could see like Wanda punching Agatha and then the scenery around them changing to the different eras. Oh, okay. Mm. I like that. I like that. That can be really cool. One of the main things I liked in this episode, uh, Vision turning Darcy back into herself right away mm. was really satisfying. I uh, was thinking that this is going to be something that we were going to have to wait on. So I was glad that that happened. You know, while it wasn't the main highlight of the episode, I do think it is going to pan out into maybe a new plan on how to infiltrate the Hex. Uh, so I'd, I wish we could have got a little bit more of the conversation. It was kind of short and brief, but I was happy to see them team up. Uh, do you guys think that this will be how they get people from S.W.O.R.D. into the Hex? By just getting Vision to know who they are and then just zap them out of their characters and into the agents that they are in the, in the real world? Hmm. I, I don't know because I don't think Vision... I think the reason Vision turned Darcy was because he kind of trusted her. Like she was the only one actively trying to help him when everyone was turning their guns on him. So I don't, I don't think he really trusts any of the sword people except for Darcy. But to your point, Keith, I was really happy that he turned herself back right away because when the, when the ringmaster of the circus was trying to get them to perform, I was like so close to being like, why are we listening to this guy? Why are we doing this? We already like, we don't have to do this. I was really glad that, that we got out of that right away. Yep. Mm-hmm. I agree. It could have been like Vision and Darcy's thing for this episode was they perform at the circus. Like it could have been that. I really thought we were headed to that. And they were like, oh, we have to pretend like we belong. I was I was not going to be down for that. So I'm glad they got away from it. Yeah, yeah. I, I agree with Keith as well. I think the Vision and Darcy stuff, like we already mentioned, was the highlight of the episode for sure. And it was actually funny. The Vision talking heads were hysterical. I think in part just how he looks and then his realization, why am I wasting time sitting here? <laughs> like, this is so weird. It was just, it was perfect. It was so great. And um, it also was dark too, though, I, which I liked. I liked how, again, kind of like Keith said, it's like not only did they give us Oh, I trust this person, but I can't I can't turn her now. I can't let anybody see. He's like, no, right away. He just turns her. But then I also like that. I took it a step further. It's like because then you're watching. It's like, OK, I really hope Darcy tells Vision the information he needs. And the first thing they say to each other is I have questions. I have answers. And then like he said, it is short. I did want a little bit more. But I do like that now Vision is pretty much all caught up. You know, like Vision shouldn't have any more questions. He can talk to Wanda, of course, and ask her about them. But he knows that he's dead. He knows how it happened. He basically knows what his life was like before. He's confused by it. And he knows the important thing to mention is I think this will endear Vision back to Wanda a little bit, not only because Darcy's saying you guys are meant for each other. That part is clearly real. But I also liked when um, she kind of Darcy laid out Wanda's PTSD and the trauma that she's been suffering. And Vision talks about that, too. It's like she had to kill you. It's like, oh, well, why? She's like, well, to save the universe. And then the guy comes in, re- rewinds time, and then kills you. And she had in front of her. And so then Vision talks about in the talking head. I mean, it's like a lifetime ago for some people. Some people don't even remember it. But for Wanda, that was just weeks ago. So it's like, I don't think we're going to get too much of Vision and Wanda fighting anymore, which I'm glad. I think they're going to be, he understands the situation and how, however fucked up it is. And he knows all the information. And I think he's going to be on Wanda's side fully because he knows what she's been through, which is cool. Well, and with Wanda now kind of being kidnapped by Agatha, we do now have like kind of a natural plot point for them to kind of team back up to, which will be nice. 
Totally. So yeah, what do we think the rest of Vision's role in this series is going to be? Is it going to be more comedic, but also dark? I think he's still going to have some funny moments just because Paul Bettany is just the way he does comedy has really worked in this show. And so I, I think they are really tapping his talents to kind of be, be the comedic arc of this of the series. But I think his character is going get, to get a bit more serious and uh, more involved and in, in actively trying to get people out of the hex. Yeah. I think the show will shift with that, too. I think the show is going to be a bit more serious. Like we talked about, I think it's going to be less sitcom plot and more just kind of like Marvel movie. So I think it's going to kind of yeah. his tone will shift with the rest of that, too. You are right. The whole dynamic of this show is going to shift because we actually have a villain now and we yeah. haven't had that for the past two episodes. So episodes eight and nine, I, I think, are going to be really different than the rest of the season has been. Definitely. Yep. So like I said in my opening thoughts, uh, this episode kind of does have two major reveals and, and we've touched on it, but we are going to really cover Agatha here in a moment. I want to talk about the first one, and that is uh, Monica's engineer contact is a big time nobody major goodner what a weird name <laughs> uh, i thought maybe i thought maybe goodner was like a character from captain marvel that i forgot about but i looked it up and nope she is a literal nobody she's never been in the mcu before so how did you guys feel about this reveal was it underwhelming for you or or did this kind of work with, work for you with them kind of bringing out that vehicle to be perfectly honest with you I think this is one part of the episode I don't even remember watching because it must have been that it must have been that underwhelming that I don't even remember them even saying that. Yeah, you probably don't remember it, Keith, because they introduced the rover, which is cool, but then it immediately doesn't work. Like it's just like oh, so there was no point to it. Um, I know a lot of people were hoping we'd see Reed Richards or someone from the MC, like the Marvel universe, if you will, that would kind of fit that bill. Um. I guess on the one hand, we don't know. It's a dumb argument, but we don't know who built the thing. I don't think it's implied that this major did. So maybe there's still some element of that coming. It is implied that Monica designed it, though. They were like exactly to your specifications. Oh, okay. I missed that. Weird. Yeah, I didn't really. I know some people would be pissed. I didn't really care. I thought it was weird. Um, The only reason it was odd to me was, as we talked in the last couple episodes, they were specifically highlighting this. Like Monica's um, basically saying in one episode, I need to get my contact. And there's a close up of her like texting on her phone. So it's like, why are they doing that? And then talking about it a lot last episode, if the reveal is really nothing like so I, I didn't care that it wasn't somebody that we were hoping for. It just seemed oddly done regardless. And then like we talked about the rover thing was really cool. I was hoping there would be this badass scene of them driving in and like how that would look and it wouldn't change. It would be really cool. And then it just immediately doesn't work. And then Monica has to then run into the hex herself. Which begs the question, why didn't you just do that? Exactly. If you can just walk on in there, why did we have to get this rover scene? Yeah. I like the first half of it when the rover is about to be going in. I'm like, oh, this is badass. And like you said, Matt, like, oh, it's going to be cool. They're just going to drive on in. Mm-hmm. Nothing, you know, it's going to it's gonna go smooth. And then they'll be in the hex and they'll be able to drive around Westview and all that. But then it hits that wall. Yeah, and she's like, oh, yeah, screw it. I'll just run it myself. And then uh, Randall Park's character, he's just like, no, no what are you doing? Do and yeah, she did- dude, he acts, like, he acts like he's in love with her now. <laughs> They've known each other for like three days at this point, and they act like they have this special bond. Monica, no, I've known you since sixth grade. No. <laughs> oh, God, that would be a great reveal. That would have been better than the Major Goodner reveal. <laughs> I'm Major Goodner. What do you guys think about Monica's suit, though? Did it did it look like? Is it just me? It, it looked like it's Fantastic Four style. Did it seem like that to you guys? Yeah, I was thinking the exact same thing when watching, and then I rewatched it, and I was like, "Why did I think that? It doesn't really." But I definitely, the, when I watched it, I did think that the original time. Um, I don't know what what 
they're doing with that. I'm curious if there's something to that because it did for some reason give me those vibes. And then, of course, also seeing her in the space suit and then like getting in trouble seemed reminiscent of the Fantastic Four origin story. And then, yeah, the suit did kind of give me those feelings. So it's almost like they were like, we're not going to give you Reed Richards, but here's Monica in a suit that kind of looks like a Fantastic Four suit. So there you go. And Major Goodner. Oh, Major Goodner. So after she gets into the hex, she now her eyes are glowing blue and she does appear to have some uh, some powers. So what do you guys think those are? It, it looks like she can at least like kind of stand up to Wanda's telekinesis now when Wanda tries to throw her out of the out of the hex again. Yeah. Is, are these going to be temporary power? That's what I was thinking. Are these, these going to be temporary? Are these like are these going to stay with her for life? Like now she's like a, a superhero. You know, she's got powers and everything. I, I think this might go back to to what Matt was reading last week, where maybe they are going to do that hex gene, shorten it to the X gene. And maybe maybe Monica now is is, uh, is a mutant. They could possibly. Um, I think they will stay with her. Yeah, because in the last episode, they were talking about how Darcy told her, hey, you've gone through the hex twice and it's rewritten your cells. So you're changing. So her going in again, it gives her these crazy powers. So I'm assuming they'll stay with her. Um, I thought they looked cool. I liked how they interpreted it. I don't really understand what it is. It seems like whenever she comes out and we see through Monica's eyes, it's like she can sense energy. I guess. So maybe that means you can also manipulate it too, because she sees the power lines and it's highlighting all of the energy. So maybe she can somehow manipulate it in some weird way. And then in the mid credit scene, whenever she opens up the, uh, whatchamacallit, the uh, basement door, she sees like all these purple lights kind of like leading down. So I'm not sure how her powers work, but it seems like it could end up being cool. And like Austin said, I guess she also has some level of not invulnerability, but she clearly was able to withstand an attack from Wanda pretty well. So, yeah, I'm curious to see where that goes. Well, you just said, Matthew, you said that maybe she has a sense for energy. Maybe that we were kind of just talking crap saying she kind of just said, oh, I'm, I'm just going to run through. And we're like, "What? why? And then, But maybe that's what it is. Maybe she already had her powers kind of forming because of her cells were changing. And she already sensed that she could go through it. Well, the barrier was kind of weird in this episode because it was solid for the rover. They kind of changed the dynamic of how the hex works, it seems like. Because in the first yeah. episode... She just gets sucked in. Yeah. And then in, in the most recent episode, it, it absorbs everything in its path. There's no hesitation. But then this rover, for some reason, hits a solid wall when it tries to go in. Yeah, that's what I'm confused about. So is the barrier to entry changing because Wanda's feeling threatened or Agnes re- Agnes revealing herself maybe did something to it? Or is that how it's always been? I- I'm confused by that. I was thinking maybe it had to do something with the material the, the rover was made out of because it looks like they had this created specifically for this purpose. But, I, but they didn't do a good job of explaining like how it was supposed to resist Wanda's powers. Yeah, they didn't at all, right? <laughs> I can't even remember what they said. Yeah, I don't remember. <laughs> she literally just said, hi, I'm Major Goodner. Here's your vehicle. <laughs> and that was it. Yeah, I don't know. I'm a bit confused about it as well. <laughs> uh, okay, so let's get into the big reveal now. And that is that Agnes is actually Agatha Harkness, uh, an evil witch who has been pulling the strings and trying to get Wanda to break. How did this reveal play for you guys, and were you surprised when this played out on screen? No, I was not surprised. <laughs> <laughs> I, I didn't know what the hell was happening. I thought I, that's what I was going to ask you guys: is, is Agatha Harkness somebody I should know? No, because I don't. I didn't know who that was. No, I googled her name, and I didn't want to read too much because I didn't want to spoil anything for like future watching. But uh, from what I could glean from just a quick skim on Wikipedia, she's just a really powerful witch in the MCU, and, and her origin kind of dates back to the Salem witch trials. I don't have a problem with her being the villain. I think that's cool. It's just, it would have been nice to have a red herring here and there. I mean, come on. It's like, yeah, she's the villain. 
We've talked about this every week. I know I know Austin talked about a little bit how he didn't think she would be a villain anymore because we got that scene where in last episode where Vision kind of broke through to her and I agreed, but that's all that was like the only red herring they gave like that it might not be her. And it's like everything else pointed to her. So that's the only disappointing thing. It's like there was never any doubt in my mind that she would be a villain on some level until briefly last week. And now it's like, oh, okay, one up one week later, they give us this. That being said, the reveal was cool. Like how they presented it was cool. I didn't like that, you know, it ended yeah. up being Agnes, but the way she's like, oh, they're playing in the basement and she goes down and there's this creepy ass lair down there it's like what the hell is going on and this weird looking book and like all the, these crazy colors these like weird branches almost reaching in all over it was crazy and then she walks in introduces herself like petting a bunny that she, i guess there must be some significance to this bunny it was in so many shots and then um and then the way they like she's like i've been controlling everything and then the way they actually show that was just it was great <laughs> the, the song choice it's agatha all <laughs> along it was so goofy and fun and like showing her in each episode doing some fun things and my favorite one was <laughs> whenever vision looks away in the last uh <laughs> like in the last episode she like reaches up and like <laughs> makes sure she like looks really sad in like the rearview mirror and then that goes back to the conversation so i liked the presentation it's just the reveal was kind of or the reveal that it was agnes was kind of lame but the reveal and how they presented it was really cool. Oh, and I killed Sparky that was too. So that, dumb. <laughs> the movie got, that part got me. I started. I just laughed my ass off. That reveal was great. It, it really makes it seem like she's going to be kind of a fun villain. Like it seems like she, they're going to do some really like uh, witty comedic stuff with her too. While also have her, while also have her be like a kind of a dark character too. So I'm excited about the, for what they do with her in the next two episodes. Yeah, I'm really looking forward to it as well. Um, my only issue, and this is something that I have to imagine that they're going to resolve in the next couple episodes, but I guess this is kind of a weird thing to say. Obviously, I didn't want Wanda to be the main villain of this story because that didn't really make too much sense to me as a concept. But now that they're trying to play it that I guess Agatha is the one responsible for everything, do you guys think that that makes a little bit of like the last few episodes less cool in a sense? Like, oh, Wanda didn't have any control? Maybe she does. Maybe they'll reveal more to the story that Wanda did. But I guess just at this moment, it, they made it seem like, oh, Wanda didn't do anything. You know what I mean? So I don't know. No, I, I don't think that's how it's supposed to be. I, I don't think they were trying to make it seem like Wanda wasn't responsible for everything. I think they're, especially whenever uh, Wanda is interacting with Monica and the way Agnes kind of walks up and like slinks behind her shoulders, almost like she's like the devil in her ear. Mm. I think that's what they're kind of going for is that, uh, Agnes has been kind of pushing Wanda in this direction, but Wanda's still the one doing a lot of this stuff in the hex. And then right. um, Agatha is manipulating things to really try and break her down. Yeah. 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 That makes sense. The big, the big question right now is why? Why? What's her motive? It's got to have something to do with that book in the basement. Did that stand out to you guys? Yeah. I mean, it stood out. They focused on it. I have no clue what it could be. I mean, I, I don't know what that would be. Some kind of witch's book? <laughs> I don't know if she's a witch, maybe it's some kind of potion book. It's got to be drawing from Wanda's power. Like she has to be, she has to have Wanda like exerting this much power for some reason. I feel like maybe she's been like dormant for a while and she's, she saw an opportunity to maybe get some power back from Wanda or, or something along those lines. Um, it does kind of now in this conversation, it's making me think back to, I guess it was last week's, right? The commercial with the shark giving the yogurt that then leads to the kid's death. It kind of seemed like it's somehow feeding off the magic. So maybe that's a tie-in. Maybe Agatha's purpose is to feed off of magic users in some way or people with powers because whenever I rewatch the episode, um, 
there was a bit more of a sinister feeling to that scene with Billy and Tommy the last time we see them in the house. Because Billy basically says, he basically tells Agatha straight up, I have powers. He doesn't say it in those words, but he says that she's really quiet on the inside and basically implying he can hear voices. And Agatha's like, oh, he must have Wanda's powers. And then they're gone. So it's kind of making me wonder if she's feeding off of Wanda and now the, the twins' powers in some way. Maybe that's the tie into that weird commercial about drawing magic or feeding off of that in some odd way. I don't know. They would kind of be really easy to kill off to make Agatha seem like really bad mm. uh, because they've never existed before. So it, it would be really easy to kill those two off to make Agatha seem like this big bad villain too. So I, I could see something definitely dark happening with them and, and Agatha. Yeah, I mean, where are the kids? What did you guys think of that? I mean, I can't imagine they're dead yet. I agree with Austin that could happen to make a villain more sinister, but do you think that they're dead now or what, where'd they go? <laughs> that seemed like a quick little, oh, they're gone. I think it goes back to the book. I mean, uh -huh. if she's a witch, okay, think about think of what witches do. Witches make potions and all that kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. And maybe I'm taking it too literally, I don't know. But if she's in a basement, she has a little weird, creepy witch's lair and all that. Maybe she's making some weird potion that's going to turn these kids into something different. Who knows? Oh, that's a good thing. We just have no yeah. idea what her motive is yet, so it's it's all up in the air right now. Anything could happen. Yeah, she could also have some like magical holding cell down there too. She could have the kids in there, and maybe she's going to toss Wanda Wanda in there as well. Now that she finally got her down there, definitely. Um, I guess now that we're talking about the big bad in this reveal, I kind of wanted to make it a point. Um, I just Marvel's usually so kind of creative and good with this stuff. That being said, they do have a shit ton of lame ass villains. Um. I would hope that they've learned from that over the years. I'm not saying Agatha's a bad villain because we, we've barely seen her in action, but it did kind of make me think, I wonder if there's more to the story here. Is it possible, is it possible that um, Agatha is clearly a villain on some level, but is there more to what's going on? Is there an actual bad or bad, if that makes sense? Is she like the sole person doing this or is she working for or with someone else in some way to kind of give them power or whatever it may be? I think it's going to have to just be Agatha, especially if she has enough power to like kind of manipulate and control Wanda. I, I think they're going to spend next episode really making us believe that she is a powerful villain. I agree. I hope they lean into it and just kind of make her the sole focus. If you're going to have this reveal be obvious as it was, then just lean into her being an awesome villain. That's all I can really hope for. Um, so we talked about the ending where it's kind of showing kind of all the all the mischievous deeds she's been doing, um, of course, including somehow she's puppeteering or I don't know what you would say, but I guess she sent Pietro there in some form, which begs the question, if she did that, why make him look like not Wanda's Pietro? Is it because she also can't reanimate the dead? So it's like she can't make Aaron Taylor Johnson come back. But then that begs the question, can't you just make them look like them? Does it have to be the real person? And if not, if that's not a possibility, fine, I can buy that. So I don't know. It just feels like there must be a lot more to the Evan Peters being Pietro story here because of the fact that Agatha chose to use that version of Pietro. Why would, why would you? Why would that affect Wanda at all? So it's kind of weird. It makes that almost a bit more curious for me. What do you guys think of that aspect? I think, I think Marvel just really needed a way to introduce the X-Men into the MCU. And I think they just kind of saw an opportunity with this show and, and bending reality. And I don't think... I don't think there's any way Evan Peters is playing a character other than his 
his Pietro from the X-Men universe. So I think Marvel just kind of saw this as an opportunity to try and introduce one of them here, maybe test it out, see how it works, and then uh, try to go from here with the rest of the X-Men universe. Yeah. I'm thinking that it has to be probably the you know the mo- more likely scenario because why would they have Evan Peters then? Yeah. He's almost the biggest mystery of the show now. We yeah. ask this every week. Why is Evan Peters here? And he wasn't even in this episode until the end. Yeah, otherwise just cast someone else. Just cast someone else if that wasn't going to be a possibility. I hope I hope they continue their trend that you mentioned, Keith, of just like not wasting time. So now that Vision knows everything, I hope in some way in the next episode he and Darcy can come to the rescue and that somehow involves him doing the releasing the control or whatever you want to call it of a uh, Pietro. I we ha- I got to know what this guy says whenever he's not under some control. Like is he is he real? Is he actually the X-Men guy that you're talking about and he's just under some weird control like I hope we hope we get a scene with him and Vision doing that to give us some context. Agnes now knows that Vision can do that too because he did it to her last week. So I wonder if she is has some plan in place for him to try to do that to her or or Pietro. Yeah, it's a great question because what is Agatha's plan for Vision? I mean, this guy is very powerful as well. I mean, it seems like she's just trying to keep him at bay by <laughs> stalling him with red lights and kids crossing the street. But eventually she knows he's going to show up. So does she have a plan to kind of subdue Vision as well? So I don't know. We'll see. I'm excited. And and does she know that S.W.O.R.D. is even involved in anything with this at all? That's a good point, Keith. How is how is S.W.O.R.D. going to play oh. into the, the last two episodes here? It's a great question. Director Hayward's up to something. He's launching some strike. So I, I think next week we're going to see what that is. I'm still not convinced he's a bad guy yet, though. I don't I'm think still he thinking is. He... I think he's just an asshole. Yeah. Yeah, he's just a dude. He's just a dude working for the government. The only sinister thing, I guess, I can't, I've already forgotten as well. They did the reveal of the Project Cataract from last episode. I've already forgotten what it is. But it has to tie into the fact, again, that he's trying to make Vision into a weapon, I guess. Very, very classic Tony Stark from the old days, if you will. But, um... I guess that I made that might be another thing that comes up. Why does he want to make vision into a weapon? Is there a reason or is it just to have as a countermeasure for crazy threats? Not sure. But yeah, now that Agatha has been revealed, they're going to have to kind of go through some hoops. I feel like to make sword feel important to the story. And I'm not talking about Monica, Jimmy or Darcy. I'm talking about what director Hayward's doing. Like, how's that going to feel important? Do they finally somehow come together? Does director Hayward find out, oh, this Agatha person's the one behind it. I'm sorry, Wanda. I didn't mean to do that. I should have trusted you. I should have trusted Monica. And then they all basically just team up to fight the crazy threat that is Agatha. So who knows? I, I, they could still be a villain or they could team up. I have no idea what S.W.O.R.D.'s going to be doing for the rest of these episodes. My biggest question is, after the bubble expanding, why has S.W.O.R.D. not contacted at least one Avenger? Like, there's got to be somebody they can call in. So I wonder if that's going to be happening, too, maybe in 8 or 9. Or maybe is it only S.H.I.E.L.D. that can work with the Avengers? Is S.W.O.R.D. not do that? Like, I, I kind of want to know how those relationships work. Yeah, we don't know. Because, again, they kind of just introduced S.W.O.R.D. So it's one of those things we just don't have the information there. Um, as for the Avenger thing, I really don't know. That's kind of always been a joke with these movies. Like, after the first Avengers, whenever they did solo movies, it's like, where are the Avengers? You, I, need, I, need, yeah. I need help. <laughs> I, need, I need a lot of help right now. Um, fucking Cap's taking on all of Hydra and S.H.I.E.L.D. And he's like, he never asks for help. <laughs> so it's just funny. I don't know. Um, I, there is one kind of line in Far From Home, the Spider-Man movie, the newer one, that um, I think Nick Fury basically contacts Spider-Man. He's like, hey, I know you're on vacation, but I need your help. You're an Avenger. Congrats. And then Spider-Man's like, oh, shit. I just want to enjoy my vacation. Can't you call 
uh, the Hulk? And he's like, nah, he's busy. Can you call Captain Marvel? Uh, off planet. What about Doctor Strange? Ah, uh, he's busy. So maybe there's more to that. Maybe there's some weird thing where the Avengers, after the events of Endgame, are kind of maybe doing their own thing in a weird way. They're gone. I don't know. So maybe there's more to that. But again, you're right. It is funny. Like They really need help, but they're not asking for it. Well, we will have to see if any Avengers do show up in episodes eight or nine. I'm still thinking it might be Doctor Strange to tie into the movie. Oh, I forgot about that. Yeah. You guys want to take a bet really quick, maybe? Does, does anybody have a specific Avenger in mind that could show up? My bet is Doctor Strange. Um... I'll try and give another answer that I've already said before to be different, but my actual answer, if I had to put money down, I would say Doctor Strange for sure as well. I think they're going to have something, whether it be a post credit scene or he somehow comes in to assist in the final episode, because I think they are going to directly tie into Multiverse of Madness, which we've talked about already. They've confirmed Elizabeth Olsen will be a main character in that movie uh, as Wanda, not Elizabeth Olsen. <laughs> Elizabeth Olsen will be playing herself in Doctor Strange too. No. So yeah, Doctor Strange, I think will definitely show up, but... I have mentioned this before. The one Avenger that post Endgame I think could be really helpful and is always great in a pinch when it comes to strength and smarts. Gotta have Smart Hulk. You need Smart Hulk's help. Uh, maybe Nick Fury could oh. make an appearance as well. That actually could happen. Yeah. Or, or or maybe not maybe not actual Nick Theory, but uh, Kroll Nick Theory. Oh, from, the, um, yeah, uh, the Scroll one home. from far. Yeah, Keith, you didn't see that. Yeah. But they basically revealed that uh, Nick Fury, as we've seen him, is actually in disguise. So, yeah, I don't know. It doesn't, it doesn't make any sense if I'm okay. saying it to you now. <laughs> but, I'll have to go watch Far From Home. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> All right. We'll see. Yeah, we'll, we'll have to see who makes an appearance, but I think that is going to do it for us today, guys. Thank you so much for listening. If you've enjoyed this episode and this ongoing series, please make sure you hit that subscribe button so you never miss any of our upcoming content. Also, if you wouldn't mind sharing us with a friend, we really do appreciate that so we can continue to grow this show. At The Arnie's is our social, and thearnies.media is the website. And hey, if you feel like it, please go ahead and leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. Even if you don't want to uh, say anything, just leaving us a starred review does really help as well. Um, we will be back on Tuesday for another Bracket episode. It'll be time to debate the best romantic comedy. I'm excited. It's been too long since we did a Bracket, so definitely keep an eye out for that. That's going to be a fun one. Uh, again, we, we close out our Bond series for now. If you want to listen to me for a little over an hour, talk about a movie I absolutely hate. Spectre, go look, go listen to that episode of ours. Um, WandaVision has two more episodes, which means we will be returning for two more bonus episodes covering WandaVision. And then after that, I guess we're on to Falcon and Winter Soldier. But guys, got a little announcement here. Uh, we've been talking a lot of MCU. We've been trying to figure out what movie series we want to cover next. We've done Star Wars. We've done Bond. And we were like, well, we shouldn't do the MCU, right? Because we're going to be talking about so much MCU. But then we realized, oh, wait, that's going to be happening for the next however many years. We can't avoid it. So what we are going to be doing is starting up real soon. We are going to be covering and doing a retrospective and review series of phase one of the MCU. Iron Man, The Incredible Hulk, Iron Man 2, Thor, Captain America, and The Avengers. So we're going to do that series and we're going to kind of maybe take a little break and move on to some other things. We're going to split it up into some digestible chunks so we're not just talking about the MCU for well over a year. So it's going to be fun. So you have WandaVision, Falcon, Winter Soldier, and we will start up the MCU Phase 1 Review.
It also gives us a nice little out as well because we're only committing to phase one. <laughs> if everybody gets sick of hearing us talk about Marvel, we're not committed to the entirety of the MCU. We're only committing to phase one at the moment. So we'll see how it does. It's more so for us. We don't want to be locked in for that long. We want to maybe do phase one and then do maybe another small little series and jump back. So let us know if you're yeah. excited for that and if that's something you want to see. And Keith, with that, my friend, please close us out. That makes me laugh. Yeah, we don't want to get burnt out with it. We don't want me at the end being like, yeah, Iron Man, he he was cool. I liked it a lot. <laughs> I liked him 3,000. Uh, <laughs> I can't commit to loving yeah, him anymore. He was good again. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, uh, check us out on Instagram, at the Arnie's. Feel free to direct message us your thoughts on this episode and upcoming episodes. Go back and rewatch Casino, Quantum, Skyfall, and Spectre to catch up on our reviews for those as we prepare for No Time to Die to come out. Hopefully it comes out soon. Uh, also, please give us your theories on what is to come next on WandaVision and give us your favorite rom-coms that we may have or not have on our list to duke out which one is best. I can't wait. Also, let us know, guys. I watched that Mortal Kombat trailer. I kind of want to talk about that movie. So if you guys want to want us to review some movies that are coming out, let us know. <laughs> All right, everybody. We'll talk to you on Tuesday. Have a great weekend. And I killed Sparky. <laughs> <laughs>